two short seasons of podcasting experience, and I'm having such a great time growing Blended on the Bluff. In season three, I go deeper into specific tools that will help you blend beautifully together. You know when you get told you knew what you were getting into when you got married with stepkids, and you just want to flip out and scream in response? (laughs) Yeah, me too. Truthfully, no one really understands what they're getting into when they enter into a blended family. Well, recently I had the opportunity to be a co-host slash guest, I think really more of a guest when Megan Bottom and I got together and she did a recording for her YouTube channel that she does with her husband for blended families. So I was actually on the other side of the microphone because Megan was asking me questions. (laughs) And I tell you what, she did such a great job and I had so much fun. And that's what this episode is. We're talking about some of the basic misunderstandings that exist when you blend families, whether they are from the adults that are marrying and creating the family, whether it's from the kids, or whether it's from all of those people that are in your extended family. There are a lot of people out there who think a lot of things about what's going on in your step family. So Megan and I, we get together and we talk about it. If you'd like to watch the video, go ahead and check out the show notes and you can watch Megan's post on YouTube. All right, here we go. So thank you, Jen, so much for joining us today. I am so thankful for the friendship and the relationship that we have developed. Um, I know you pretty well. We've spent a lot of time collabing together. We actually have done a podcast interview that you broke up into two parts on your podcast, and I will put that podcast in the um, description box below. But Jen, tell us a little bit, bit about you and who you are and what you do. Well, first off, I just want to say I'm so glad to be here and the behind the scenes work that we do to make these things happen. (laughs) uh, There's a a lot of magical things that happen to come here together. And I am just uh, grateful to have this opportunity with you and commend you. I want to commend you for your book, Nana's Pearls. So I read that book and you know, you know how I feel about that book because I shared my reviews with you. And of course we talked about it on Blended on the Bluff, but what I loved about it is that I could relate as a stepmom. I could say, oh yeah, I understand why Tia was struggling. I mean, it just, it's just a tough spot to be. And so as a stepmom who has struggled in my stepmom role, I was looking for answers and I was desperate. I was ready to throw in the towel and say, I, I mean, I thought I was ready to get married again. I actually, I knew I was ready to get married again, but the parenting experience that I had and the confidence that I had going into it it wasn't the same tools that I needed to be a step parent. And so as I looked around for guidance and help, I couldn't find any. And so I decided that I'm, I'm going to start coaching. So I've been involved in mentorship and coaching now so that I can bring coaching to step couples because blending, as you know, as a blended mom (laughs) and a blended wife, uh, blending is really, really tricky. And so um, that's why we're here so that we can share a, a message of hope and healing and adventure and joy for step parents everywhere. So that's what I'm about. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. I love that we have that in common, that we couldn't find the resources. So we became the resources that we needed when we first started our blend. I love that. I just, I think that we saw a need and we're filling a need and that's just, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're called to do. And I love that we um, share that in common. So I didn't give you a heads up about this and I did it on purpose. Um, I want to do quick fire. Just the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Is that As okay? In the first word or I'm just any this or that? So, okay. So, okay. So <laughs> mountains or beaches? Mountains. Okay. Um, reading or movies? Reading. What's your favorite book? Besides the Bible. The Bible. Besides the Bible. The Bible. <laughs> <laughs> um, recently, I've read a couple years ago, Atomic Habits. And so I'm going to choose Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. What's your favorite thing about that? Uh, well, it's by James Clear. And he talks about the power of small incremental changes. So often in blended families, we say, oh, we want everything to be so amazing. And we think it should just happen like that. And you and I know it doesn't happen like that. <laughs> but there is one small thing that we can do that can make huge change. And so I relate that to back to the mountain. So interesting. Um, <laughs> a mustard seed can move mountains. Yes. So atomic habits. <laughs> atomic habits. Perfect. Leggings or jeans? Leggings or jeans? Leggings or jeans. Yes. COVID or pre-COVID? <laughs> I'm not answering that. I'm not answering that question. <laughs> okay, so pre-COVID, your favorite vacation spot? Oh, Hawaii. Hmm. Oh, Hawaii. Oh, the beaches. Yay. Okay, well, that was it. I just want to... <laughs> quickly introduce you and get to know you and let your, our audience get to know you a little bit better as well. Um, oh my gosh. I'll know that you probably wore leggings all the way through COVID like the rest of us <laughs> and we're scared now to get into our jeans. <laughs> Look, there's a reason why we're at top up here. This is, yes. this is the right height. <laughs> this has been the COVID life, right? Who can relate? Like this is the COVID life. Um, so Jen, I wanted to come together. This is just going to be very us talking because we talk so you and I talk so often about different issues within the blended family dynamic and a post came up on Facebook. I believe it was in your Facebook group. And I will also post that in the description box the, below. Jennifer would love to have us all in her Facebook group. Um, that you said that it was a post that you shared from, I believe, Ron Deal, who is an amazing resource for blended families that created a little bit of controversy. And honestly, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I maybe got a little bit argumentative about the post. And I thought that you and I got into some great dialogue about what it meant and what we thought about it and those kind of things. So I wanted to jump on and share that dialogue between us. So that way we can kind of explain where we come from and the advice that we get as a blended family. We have, I have had horrible advice as a blended family mom. And one of the things that I've heard so many times is you knew what you were getting into. What's the problem? And I have to tell you, that's like nails down a chalkboard for a um, stepmom or a blended family mom. And I think that we take, because they're experts like Ron Deal, who is, I, I have so much, so much to say about him that is amazing, but we take that and we assume that it's always right. And I think that we need to learn to be able to hash that out with how does that fit with my blended family? How does that fit with my ministry? 
-hmm. How does that make me feel in my own marriage? So do you mind telling everybody what the post said? Uh, No, I don't. And in fact, I'm just going to turn and look at it here so that I get it right. So this is from January 5th. So you and I have been planning to get together to talk about this for a little while. And the hashtag was dating and the single parent. So I guess if you, I don't really do that too often, but hashtag dating and the single parent, then you'll see a bunch of conversations about this. But the post was this, two people who share a child never stop being in relationship with each other. We call them co-parents and new partners must accept this. So that's family life blended. We're going to give credit where credit is due to all of that. (laughs) And I want to say up front that I understand where he's coming from. I understand that you really have to accept there is going, for my case, there is going to be another woman in my life forever. And as much as I wanted it to end when all the kids turned 18 and moved out of the house, that's not the reality. Now we have graduations and weddings and grandbabies and all of those things that we still, um, Dwayne's ex-wife still has an influence daily in my home, in my relationships with my stepkids, and even in the relationships with my, with my own children. So I think that's what he was saying, but in my opinion, that's a dangerous quote because I can see newly married or even struggling to blend families use that as ammunition against each other in saying things like, well, you knew what you were getting into. You have to just accept that I have a relationship with her or with him as the co-parent. And that's not the case. I think that that's where healthy boundaries need to be established and where you can talk about things like boundaries and how that's going to affect our marriage and how, how I'm going to allow her to have an impact on my home. You can talk about things like that. So I think that I understand the heart and the purpose behind the post and behind the, the statement that yes, they are going to have an impact on your family forever. But I think it's a dangerous thing to say because I can see myself using that as ammunition to Dwayne. You knew that my ex-husband was going to be involved. What's the problem? Well, Dwayne can very easily say he doesn't need to be this involved. (laughs) Right, right. It's so good. So I have to say that probably of all the posts in the group, it was my favorite one because it generated so much good conversation. And that's really what we want. And so before I come in and, and, and respond to what you were saying. I want to back up the bus a little bit here and say that oftentimes we think we must respond. So he used that word must, and we're, I'm using that intentionally here, that we must respond. And I'm going to go back to what you said. Hey, can you play a little game? You asked me my permission. Can we play this little game? But when you asked me a question that I didn't want to answer, leggings or jeans, <laughs> I, it took me an extra moment to say, wait a minute, Jen, you actually, you don't have to answer any of these questions, but our tendency, particularly as women and helpmates and wanting to facilitate conversation is we just go, we just answer the question. And this speaks to what you were talking about in relation to boundaries, that when we pre-decide things, that urge to is bumps up against the boundary that we have put there and it helps us before we respond out of turn. So this, 
you must accept it. That was the rub, right? No, no, I don't. I don't. Because when it feels like this woman is sleeping in my bed, I do not need to accept that. And you and I shared a story about about that. And we don't necessarily need to share that here because I know if there are other stepmoms listening to this, they know exactly what we are talking about in that reference. (laughs) And and I wrote about that in my book, how Taya kind of felt like she didn't even live in her own home because it was her, it was the, the prior married home. And while she made remodels and she tried to make it her own space, it still felt like she didn't belong there, but the ex-spouse did. So I, I feel like that's such a common thing. And like that, you, like you said, I love that the word must like that sends weird feelings for us women of no, I must not do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So here's how I would break it down. I would say that we have a responsibility to be aware of who the team players are. And what I mean by that is this. So when I work with couples in coaching, we go through this and I take a a sporting event analogy. So whatever sport you can relate to, whether it's basketball or football or tennis, you understand there are rules of the game and you have to decide, are you playing by those rules of the game? And you have to recognize who's on your team. So I'm going to take tennis. Okay. So it, cause there's you and me tennis or pickleball. I love playing pickleball. We could do that too, uh, but I don't know the rules is so well yet. Although, well, anyway, tennis, we're going to go with tennis. Okay. So we, we've got, we've got equipment, right? We've got the rackets. We've got the balls. We need, no, we need to go on the tennis court to play the game. And we really love it if there are people that chase our balls too, right? <laughs> Those kids on, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on and the Wimbledon that go and get the balls. Uh, but there's a, there, is it a referee? Is that what it is? Is it a referee in tennis? Tennis is not my thing. I don't have any idea. We're going to roll with it's a referee. It's okay. the official. Okay. <laughs> but they're up higher, right? The official right. is up higher in a, in a seat. And so their perspective, what they can see is very, very different than what you and I can see down on the field. Right. And then we have um, guards so that people can't come onto the court. And then there are people in the stands. So the whole audience and they're loud. There's so much going on all at one time. And you and I have to decide, am I serving the ball or am I receiving the ball? And are we going to keep this going back and forth or am I going to cream you or are you going to cream me? Right. <laughs> and so- and so this is especially helpful for men who definitely have an affinity for sports to say, okay, let's think about that for a minute. So if you're the husband and the wife, you're on the tennis court, right? And you have the tools, you have certain tools, the official God needs to be our official that yes. we need to keep looking up to find out what he is calling us to do on the court. And then we have to understand that there are kids involved in the equation and they're running back and forth on the court and they're stealing our balls and they may or may not give them (laughs) back to us. Right. Right. Uh, And then there's the audience. So that's all of the influential people in our lives that are people like step grandparents or the other step parent in the other home or friends of our kids. the, the differences in our churches, all of these things, they play a role in how we play the game. And so that's why I do this team assessment. So in the context of this, where you must accept that your spouse has an ex-spouse, yes, 
in the sense that you acknowledge that this person will have influence on the people who are in your home. And so that goes to your point where you need these boundaries that say, this is how we're going to deal with this situation. So that's how I would respond to the post, but it never comes out that way in Facebook. I love your analogy. And I think that I, when I teach on boundaries, I often use sports as well. If, you know, if we were to throw everybody into that tennis court with like a football and say, okay, win the game without any rules or structure or design or anything. Oh, and by the way, you also must accept that this other woman or man is also part of the game. So have fun. Like that's a life without boundaries that, you know, you have this football and you don't even know how to win. You don't know where the out or in or rules or anything. And that's what a life without boundaries are. And I think that that post of you must accept this co-parent in your life. Like that's just shoving somebody else into that game. And when you have, when you, when you're able to establish the rules of the game, you know, going further with your analogy and able to know, like you said, who the key players are, who are the ones that you're playing with that. And what's, what's the boundaries, where's the out of bounds line where, where the referee can, can blow the whistle. I love that analogy. I love it so much. And I often talk about decision fatigue also. You know, you said I was able to take a step back and I'm not answering your question about leggings. That's too personal for me. But we make millions of decisions. I've heard it before. Like, and especially women, we make so many decisions throughout our day. From the minute that we open our eyes, do we do we snooze the alarm or do we actually get up? Are we going to go through with the workout that we committed to last night? Or are we going to sleep in our, you know, what's for breakfast? What are we going to wear when we shower? Is it a hair day? Do we wash our hair today? All of the decisions that we make and we end up with decision fatigue. And usually by the end of the day, we're so exhausted. And that's why McDonald's is a multi-billion dollar franchise because tired moms that are tired of making decisions don't want to answer the question of what's for dinner. And it's so much easier. And so we make poor decisions when those decisions aren't made ahead of time. When we don't meal plan out our our week, we're going to make a poor decision on Thursday night, what's for dinner. And when we don't set boundaries and establish those rules ahead of time, when somebody says, Hey, can mom come over and watch movies in your home tonight? We're overwhelmed with all of the decisions that we're going to make. And we're going to make a poor decision that in the long run is going to hurt. Seeing your husband's ex-wife on your couch in your house is going to hurt you. And maybe you have a good enough relationship that that's perfectly normal. And you would totally accept that but chances are you don't. And those boundaries haven't been established that the kids know better to even ask, you know, that, that those boundaries haven't been established. Yeah. And, you know, I want to jump on that a little bit and explore that because uh, one thing that's been happening as I've been recording podcast after podcast, I've realized this, that in the beginning where I made all the mistakes, now I still make mistakes. Okay. But they're, they're different now. I they're new ones. <laughs> right. Never ending ride adventure of being a stepmom. But, uh, and for your audience, I've been a stepmom for uh, six and a half years now. And it looks nothing like what it did when we first got together. And that starry eyed love affair at the beginning, like that was blown out of the water. I'm waiting for the honeymoon phase. So I didn't know this, but I recently learned, and now I hear it everywhere, that you get your honeymoon when you blend after the kids leave home. 
that's just and the so, that we're in right now. I just want you to know it's glorious. <laughs> oh my gosh. So before I was remarried, I was empty nester for this little chunk of time. And it was so amazing. Like I just had to answer to myself. I didn't have decision fatigue because yeah. it was all about me, which <laughs> we know. As Rick Warren says in the purpose driven life, it's not all about us, but there was a window of time. I'm telling you just straight up honest. It was about me. I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm recovering from life (laughs) and all of those things. Uh, But it, since I remarried and been at it again, six and a half years with stepkids, uh, the boys, my girls were adults out of the home. One was uh, in college and college was close by, so she could come back every now and then. And the other off getting married, making babies, having an amazing time and making me Gigi, uh, which is amazing. I love love being Gigi. And I know that you're going to get to experience, well, you are experiencing that because, yes. Yes. can I say that? Is it okay yes. to talk about yes. that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but being a grandma is so cool. Uh, but what I've learned is, is it is about the kids in the sense of we are so shell-shocked in our new role because we're processing all of this new stuff and all of the confidence that we had going in is really shattered because all of what we knew just for some reason it doesn't seem to apply in blended family life even though eventually you see the parts that do when you get that, the first whammy that comes, there's always more. (laughs) And it's usually fast and furious, especially if you're experiencing a custody battle in court, then it just makes things really crazy. But for the kids, they're working to figure it out. And they're actually experiencing some level of trauma, no matter what they look like on the outside, their family has just broken apart. And so they're learning what does that look like for them? And so that big secure place, even if there was drama or high conflict or even abuse in there, everything that they knew is being taken away from them. And so I just want to encourage your listeners that when they're reflecting on their own pain and their own struggles to take a moment to think about the kids too, that that person that you're angry with that has X in front of it, that is someone who is special and influential in your stepchild's life. And we have a responsibility to honor that relationship, no matter what our relationship is with them. And those words, as you know, so full disclosure here, like that's, that's a work in process for me. Um, because it's very challenging. I thank you so much for saying that. And I, I, I feel a little bit convicted that I don't say that often enough Mm -hmm. that as much as you're allowed to not like the other influence in the home, you're allowed to not like your kids' biological mother. You're allowed to like, not like your Mm ex-husband. That is okay. You are allowed to not like that person. However, you are not allowed to expect the kids in the home to have those same feelings. And I think that that's something that we don't, we don't talk about enough. I think that we just justify the, the feelings that as not as coaches, but in, I see this as fellow stepmoms just trying to help each other through and, and get through the mud and the muck of being a stepmom. We don't, we don't, we just try to justify the the feelings of the stepmom instead of saying, okay, but let's look at how this affects the kids. And please, 
please don't talk about a kids as parents to them, <laughs> to the children. I, and again, I am the same way. This is a work in progress for me. Um, it's, it, it the relationship that I have have with my girls, my older girls, now that they are older and out of the house has evolved into, I, I love parenting adults. I say that it's so different and it's a new challenge, but I love it. I would prefer this over a, over a middle school kid any day of the week, but that relationship has evolved more into a friendship. And I consider my two oldest stepdaughters, I mean, my two oldest biological daughters, aside from my husband and Jesus, I consider them my best friends. And so I have to put myself in check that I'm not allowed to talk to them about certain things because it's not their business. Mm -hmm. And I have always said with my ministry and with my coaching, if I can't have either my kids' stepmom or Dwayne's ex-wife read any of my material, watch any of my videos, go through my coaching program because they will be offended for it, then I'm not doing the right thing. Because Mm -hmm. the truth is that my kids can watch my videos. My kids have read my books. My stepkids have seen everything that I've done. And I don't want to talk poorly about their mom. It's not a surprise to them that I don't particularly care for their mom. It's not a surprise for my kids that I don't particularly care for their dad. I'm not going to go hang out with them. But at the same time, I will never... I will never purposefully offend them. And I think that's so important for us to know our kids are watching. Our kids are watching how we handle relationships that make us uncomfortable. How are they going to handle those relationships? Um, Dwayne and I always say that our goal is not to raise, have good kids, but to raise good adults. And let's Mm -hmm. teach our children how to have relationships with people that make you a little bit uncomfortable without causing offense. Yeah, that's so good. And there's so much there. And it really ties into what you and I have talked about as far as the importance of premarital coaching. So we make a distinction between therapy and counseling and coaching. And so for me, my angle is the coaching angle. So I'm going to come alongside and work with people to help them develop their unique plan because they are unique and they, there's no marriage like their marriage. There's no, certainly no step family like their step family. And so the idea behind that is to save pain down the road that you and I have experienced. And so I know we have a passion for ministering to stepmoms because we are stepmoms, right. <laughs> but we also recognize the importance that it ne- it needs to be the couple together and valuing uh, the order of the household. So just like Paul tells us in Ephesians that these, these are the guidelines. The, I think in my Bible, it says instructions for Christian households. And without going into the who does what to whom, I'm going to sum it all up and say this. So this includes your stepkids. In Ephesians 5.21, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right. So that means that we are taking fill in the blank person's consideration or needs into consideration, right? That we are realizing, oh, there's that, let me stop right here at the fence. (laughs) And let me see how this fits in with how God is leading me to love this person. Um, I know just straight up, Uh, I have somewhere actually in many pages of my Bible, when I read some of the guidance for how God is calling me to behave as a Christian, there are notes that I put in there, God, I don't know how to do this with my husband's ex. 
Like I, I, I certainly don't feel it. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, what I'm feeling, uh, <laughs> is, I'm not going to write it down, you know, but it's already, it's so interesting. It's already written in my heart. Right. And, and the only reason that I know that it is, is because God is so gracious, gracious is the right word and loving to reveal it to me so I can get it out of there. Right. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know um, what, you would recommend for people when they are experiencing that this doesn't feel good. And I, people say, you know, I'm supposed to love my enemies, but that's one enemy that I don't know if I can love. What kind of guidance would you give them on that? Um, this is a great stopping point. I'm going to remember that question, but I need to take a nature break really quick. Oh. So really quick. Okay. Nope. It's good. It's good. Okay. So your question was, how would you recommend people deal with it when they don't feel like, like all that they should be doing? (laughs) Right. They're supposed to, we're supposed to love our enemies. And and here's the, so off camera, off recording part is that I do, when I run across these notes, so I started dating the notes And that was from 2016 when we were having our custody battle. Like, God, I, this is too much. What you're asking me to do here is way too much Um, because it was not good. So anyway, I can (laughs) relate. (laughs) That's where that, that's where that question is coming from. Um, And there's so much to to know in advance. Anyway, that's why I think this is so important. This is such a good discussion. So, and it's fun. I love that. I'm going to ask you some questions. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so good to know you. Okay. Uh So I, I wrote about forgiveness and I did a ton of study on forgiveness and I, I struggled with that. There's a reason why I tried so hard to study through that. What even is it? What is it? Is it an emotion? I mean, cause love is an emotion and it can be a very powerful emotion. Hate is an emotion and that can also be extremely powerful, but forgiveness doesn't feel like that. It, and, and is it a verb? Is it something that I, an action that I need to take? Is it an adjective, does it describe a feeling that I might have? Like I didn't, I couldn't define forgiveness in my own heart, much less be able to define it. So that way I could extend it. And I, I spent a lot of time in prayer with that. God, I know that you have forgiven me and you have forgiven me so much. (laughs) So I I don't have, I, I, Obviously, I don't want to tell everything of my testimony, but I don't have an amazing past. And the things that he has forgiven me from, even on a daily basis, much less what I did back then, like it's incredible to me. And you just wipe it clean. So what is that? So does that make it a verb that you wipe it clean? Okay, well, I don't feel like I can do that. I'm not God. So I cannot just wipe it clean and forget about it. That's not something I'm capable of doing. So what is it? And I think that the answer that I received is yes, it's all of those things. It is a feeling. It is an emotion. It is a verb. It is all of those things. And every day you need to step through that every day. You know, if, if an attack comes, yeah, but she did this and I'm going to make up a hypothetical situation. Yeah, but she abandoned the kids. 
okay, well, it's time to forgive. Yeah, but God, you don't understand. And every day it needs to become that choice of, yes, I'm going to forgive. Yes, that's been forgiven. Yes. And every time it comes to mind and every time it's there and you feel it, you need to just let it go. And I think that the more that you practice that, I have found the more that I practice that, now I I struggle because I have forgiven and I kind of have forgotten. Like, and it's taken me, we've been married for 11 years. And the last time that we were in a custody battle was probably nine years ago. So it's taken me that long to get to the point where I can say, I don't really remember what happened during that time. And as stressful as it was, I've already pre-forgiven. I've already, every time that comes to mind, oh, that was pre-forgiven. That's already done. And I think that that's what it takes. You just have to remind yourself that's already been taken care of. That's already been taken care of. And that's such a hard practice to do. Like Paul says, take every thought captive. Every time it comes to mind, you need to just take it captive and nope, that's already been handled. You know, as you were talking and going verb action, the one thing that I didn't hear that came to me as you were, as you were sharing that was that it is also a noun because it is a gift. Yeah, It is a gift given and received. And here's something that God has been teaching me in relation to forgiveness. So it'd be interesting to see what you think about this. So I, I had quoted scripture in Psalm 103, as far as the East is from the West, your sins will be remembered no more. So old, old Testament. Now, if I go to the new Testament and I am directed to have the mindset of Christ. So when I forgive like Christ, as far as the East is from the West, I will remember those sins no more because I used to say I've forgiven, but I'm never going to forget. Okay, post-divorce, for example, what right. a traumatic time. I'm working on forgiveness, but I, I'm never going to forget. And we use that, um, we, we, use, we say things like this, that, but I need to protect myself. And there's a reason for a divorce. Or if you're in an abusive situation, there is a reason why you don't forget. And that's all very true. What God has been teaching me in that. So I'm going to use that extreme example of an abusive environment. I'm going to go with physical abuse. Okay. Okay. So if I have forgiven, then how do I forget and protect myself? So this may come out a little, I actually don't know how this is going to come out. (laughs) (laughs) because I'm still chewing on this and learning this and receiving this from God, but the forgiveness is there. And the forgetting is the smells or the memories uh, or reading back in my journals, those things, the forgetting in those things is that there's no zing in my heart anymore. And that, yes, I am aware that those things occurred, but the emotional response of um, how that made me feel or the actions that I took because I was hurt in, re- in, in reacting and not responding, they're very different now. And so that's what I'm working on, that that's the forgetting part. Yes, I know I won't put myself in X situation again, because that's not smart and it's not safe. 
but I am choosing to forget that I felt small, that I felt afraid, that I didn't know what to do, that I thought maybe God had abandoned me, all of those things. And instead to receive the noun, the gift is to model what my father has given me. And so like you, we all have a past. I mean, I don't know, we run from them, right? Except you and I are doing what we're doing because we have a past and we didn't like what was going on and we want to make a very different future. Right. Um, and so that's, those are my thoughts on forgiveness. Those are, that's what I'm learning and processing. Uh, and uh, that's why I so appreciated that you had that in your book from the get go, that this is where we're going to start. It's like, all right, go big or go home. <laughs> God doesn't give us amnesia. Unfortunately, he doesn't give us amnesia. And I, I, I sometimes wish that he would, because it would make it so much easier to forgive if we could just forget but he doesn't give us amnesia. But what he does give us, like you said, is the gift of his word. So if we can replace those feelings with other feelings, and I love that you brought up scent. That's such a powerful um, trigger for emotions. And I, I have a really funny story. When I was young, oh, I was so young. I was probably 21 and I had two very young daughters, uh, like two and three And I moved away from my mom for the first time ever in my life. And we were walking, I was 300 miles away from my mom and we were walking through a grocery store and I walked by a woman, I was so homesick. And I walked by a woman that was wearing my mom's perfume and I started bawling. I just started crying. I knew I needed to get out of the grocery store, but I had two girls in my cart and I had to get them out. And my daughter looks up to me, up at me. And she has these huge tears just rolling down her eyes. And I'm like, what? And she goes, I miss grandma. So she even smelt my mom's perfume on this woman in the grocery store. And it triggered for her that that's my mom's smell. And all of those things, like, it's so true with trauma as well. You know, that was a good experience. My mom wears Chanel number five and I love the smell of her perfume. And that is that still to this day is a trigger for me, but it also triggers trauma responses, but God has given us his word to fill those voids. When we smell a smell that reminds us of something, um, I've worked with somebody that couldn't work into that, walk into the Home Depot because that smell reminded her of a traumatic event that happened in a construction zone and the smell of the raw wood and all of that, just, she couldn't do it. And we have the word, no, his word says that I am made new, that I am fresh, that I am chosen, that I am safe, that I am, I am capable and we can replace that. So we don't have the amnesia to forget, but we can replace that smell with, with his, his, his goodness, you know, his word says, and we can absolutely replace those triggers with that. And I think that that's the first step towards forgiveness. When we start to feel that way again, no, what does God's word say about me? What does God's word say about this position? And maybe God's word is just, I have to forgive. And maybe that's just enough for right now to be able to say, God says for me to freely forgive. So I'm going to freely forgive. Mm-hmm. So I'm in Romans 12, one to two, as you're talking yeah. and this whole renewing your mind. So recently uh, when my husband and I were studying, he had uh, an aha moment. Uh, and he said, I never caught it before now 
that the first verse says, offer your body as a living sacrifice so that you can be all of these things. So this renewing of the mind. So I'm going to tell you in the, so not, not the Bible, but in the book of Jen, (laughs) how I had it, how I had it laid down was like this. So God says, renew your mind. All right, let me get busy. Let me do it. I'm going to take this thought, put it over here and I'm going to grab a new one and put it in (laughs) never really capturing that sacrifice. Yeah. So if I'm offering my body as a sacrifice, that means that I'm offering all of me and saying, God, here I am, warts and all, you know them, you, <laughs> you created me, right. uh, you know, all the hairs on my head. So uh, this is no surprise to you, but sometimes it's actually a surprise to us when we go forward to God and say, ah, uh, I think I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> <laughs> and then it all comes out this realization. Uh, but I, I think that's an important point. And so if you're, I'll speak to step parents, but no, if you're a stepmama, I'm loving you. I got a, I got a special place for you in my heart and just want to encourage you as a stepmom, but stepmoms and stepdads, the work that you're doing to steward the resource of your children, whether they're biological or step, God's given you that responsibility. And he's asking you to offer your body as a sacrifice for your family. And until you do that, you can work all day long in power of yourself. Doesn't work. I mean, there's a lot of power of Jen, but it's not like the power of God. Right. right. And so uh, that's, that's the word. That's my word is that we, if we take this calling as a step parent or as a parent in a blended family. So if you made somebody else a step parent, congratulations, you were in it with them. (laughs) Um, And it's tough. It's just really, really tough. It's a tough place to be. But again, I want to go back to where we started and it goes back to your book, which is so beautiful that there is hope, right? Nana gave so much hope, no matter what stepmama thought about hope. (laughs) rejected hope, didn't believe in hope, wanted to squash hope. <laughs> Hated hope. Hated hope. Dwayne and I, when we were dating, we were reading through the Proverbs together and the, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I told Dwayne, I whispered it one night. I'm like, I hate hope. And he's like, and he told me, I'll never forget it. He goes, you don't hate hope. You don't know hope. And I'm like, you can't say that to me. <laughs> How dare you? And he was so right. He was, he was absolutely right. But that was that, you know, there are true, true points in my book. And that was one is that I had to find what hope is. And I needed to learn to know hope and hope is not in my marriage or in my relationship, but there is hope there because Jesus is there and he truly is hope. Yeah, definitely. Hope is a noun. Hope is a person. It's a proper noun. <laughs> it is a person. And hope, I think, from, and and this is something that I argued with my editor about, is that I thought that hope needed to be capitalized throughout the entire book, because I was referring to Christ the entire time. And I, I went back and forth with my editor about that, but she was right in the end to bring the point home without capitalizing that word. But still to this day, when I type on my computer, hope is always capitalized the same way that God or Jesus is capitalized. And I love it because it just reminds me where hope is and who hope is. Yeah. I love that. It's so good. It's it's nice to reminisce and go back and and think about the book again, for sure. Because I just, uh, 
I, I think I said on the podcast, it's like a song on the radio and you're bobbing along. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I know this. Go, go Tia, go. You've got this. <laughs> I'm with you. You're right. Everybody else in your step family arena is wrong. Right. Everybody else on the tennis court is wrong. You're right. I'm with you, sister. <laughs> Well, I think we're at a good stopping point. Thank you so much for your time. I want to address the fact that we did we did start talking about boundaries and what Ron Deal meant by that post on Facebook. But really, I think it's so important that we work through those hard feelings of forgiveness before we try to set any kind of boundaries or establish boundaries. Because if you set boundaries out of a heart of bitterness, it's going to come across as strict and rigid and harsh. Whereas if you set them out of a heart of forgiveness and just knowing that you want to protect yourself and knowing that you want to protect your family, it's going to come across as love, which is what boundaries are supposed to do. Yeah, that's so good. And I I know that we also talked about you, you talk about three different kinds of fences and that resonated with me so strongly as far as what is the, what, what the different fences represent is how important is this boundary? Is somebody going to die if we cross this boundary? (laughs) Uh, Or is it a small offense? uh, And we know that the norm is this is the way that we roll. And so I think um, the forgiveness, the, the boundaries, all of that that you put together, it goes back to what you and I are passionate about, that you are not designed to do this alone. You aren't designed to do life alone, right. no matter what stage of life you're in, right? God designed us for community and fellowship and enjoyment of being together. Yeah. And so if you are struggling in your blended family right now, Megan and I will always encourage you to get help. Get the help that you need, whether that is if you need counseling or therapy, go get that help. Uh, because if you're experiencing trauma, there are things that you need to work through on your own so that you can come to a relationship whole. So if you're in bits and pieces, it's really more challenging for you to collaborate with your partner to establish family ground rules, if yeah. you will. Yes. Uh, and, and then I just want to echo one more thing about the importance of the unity of the husband and the wife in communion with Jesus at the center. That your trouble with your stepkids or your bio kids, you cannot solve that if you guys are not in unity with each other and with the Lord. It's just not going to happen. And so you're going to continue. It may look, the circumstances may come and it may appear differently, but the lesson is the same. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that. I sure appreciate our friendship. Well, hey there, what did y'all think of that? I know I learned something. I always learn something when I'm talking with Megan Bottom. (laughs) Such a great time. Hey, if you're looking for some more resources, you'll find them at stepfamilypodcast.com. There are masterminds, the Blended Cafe, more podcasts, and of course, coaching opportunities. Take a look and see what's out there. And I hope to see you in a Blended Family Coaching event soon. All right, y'all take care.